the right prayer to pray today. Let's pray. Son of David, we call upon you now. Take our lives. Take this new year even before it commences. Take it all. Teach us. Break through, please. We pray in your name. Amen. The fact of the matter is we're in a war. And I'm telling you something. This battle is intensifying. I read two books this summer. I am so intimidated by those two books that I'm going to share them with you. Hoping you'll feel a little intimidated as well. Book number one, put it on the screen, Sarah Weiss. She is a marketer. Title of her book, Instabrain, The New Rules for Marketing to Generation Z. Book number two on the screen, Meet Generation Z, Understanding and Reaching the New Post-Christian World, written by James Emery White. No relation to the library on the campus of Andrews University. All right. Really, the word intimidated is past tense. I'm bucked up now, and you will be too. But what I want to do is I want to go to these two writers who have described Generation Z. And out of a hundred and hundreds, really, of factoids, I want to gather a few statistics. I'm going to run them by you. No study guide to fill them out. You're not going to jot numbers down. We're not even going to put them on the screen. You're going to have to take what the spirit sticks on the wall of your mind. Something's going to stick. You're going to have an impression, I promise, by the time this is through, okay? So let's start with Sarah Wise. She's the uh, secular marketer. She opens up by reminding us Generation Z is born between 1995 and 2006. In other words, their ages right now are 13 to 24. So 13, that's Andrews Academy, okay? Then we get to undergrads. Then we get to graduate and seminary, 13 to 24. Do you know this? 51% of this planet today is under the age of 25. 50, over half. Gen Z, that's what they're calling them. They grew up with high-speed internet in their homes, 98% of them have smartphones. Go figure. You knew that, didn't you? 85% of Gen Zs find find out about new products through social media. Gen Zs practice what's called quick flex. They used to say of Gen Xers, multitasking. These guys don't multitask. They quick flex. They can take five screens on their phone and simultaneously monitor all five. A Reddit thread, uh, Instagram, a YouTube video, five of them. Their attention span is eight seconds. <laughs> Goldfish have an attention span of nine seconds. Millennials had an attention span of 12 seconds, but millennials could only operate four screens at a time. I'm telling you, the technology is driving the human race. Most spend three hours a night on YouTube. Their big deal is DIY. How many here know what DIY stands for? You have to be a Gen Z to know. Yeah, do it yourself. That's their choice of learning. DIY. Big deal. The average 13 to 24-year-old today checks social media, get this, 100 times a day. 100 times a day. In the middle of your class. Lots of times in your class. 
right? I'm going to put Sarah Wise on the screen. You need to let some of this sink in visually into your soul. Sarah Wise writing, it is terrifying, not just because of how screen usage is physically altering the brain, but also because our society's teenagers have stopped reading. A 2019 nascent study, correct spelling, shows that teens perform worse than adults when when completing tasks on websites for three reasons. Number one, insufficient reading skills. Number two, less sophisticated research strategies. And number three, dramatically lower levels of patience. According to this report, teens were most successful on e-commerce sites because all look fairly similar and also because they require little reading. These teens encountered the most difficulty. Listen to this, Andrews University, Pioneer Church. They encountered the most difficulty on sites with dense content, including government, nonprofit, that would be church and school sites. Just too much. I don't want it. They are categorically sleep-deprived, especially among females. Gen Z and brand loyalty. Oh, please listen to this one very carefully. When they commit, it is for these reasons, okay? Why would they commit to Andrews University? It would be for these reasons. Number one, superior customer experience. Number two, brand aligns with the consumer's personal values. I like that school because I have the same values. Number three, speed, faster checkout and delivery and registration. I just added and registration, but (laughs) you, you, you got the point. All right. Number four, family or friend recommendation. I had a dad with his Gen Z sitting in my office this week. He said, I wanted all four of my kids to come here. Three of them went elsewhere. I finally taken the baby and I'm bringing him here. This boy is here because his dad is recommending you come to Andrews University. And by the way, they're very open to their parents' recommendations when it comes to finances. They're very open. Uh, Physical health, Uh uh-oh, the first generation to have a shorter life expectancy than their parents due to unprecedented childhood obesity. This generation is nearly twice as likely, speaking of mental health, twice as likely than millennials and Gen Xers to report mental health as either fair or poor, more likely to report having received treatment or therapy from a mental health professional. Today, Generation Z reports higher levels of loneliness and social isolation than 72-year-olds in this nation. More isolation and loneliness. Wow. Gen Z learns at home, we just discovered. Oh, no, no. I I need you. I got to run this one by you. The number of teens who get together with friends on a daily basis dropped by more than 40% from 2000 to 2015. They're not connecting anymore. Gen Z learns at home through videos. But at school, listen, teacher, at school, they long for something different. In-person activities. This is the marketer speaking. With classmates and teachers, real connection. Six in ten Gen Zers cite in-personal team-based activities as their preferred learning method. I can go at home and study alone. I can DIY at home. But when I come to your class, I want to be with somebody because I don't have people. Mm. Secular marketer writing, monthly church attendance has dropped over 20% since 1970. Ditto for less time with friends from work. They go, they've gone from two and a half hours a week with their friends to under one hour a week now with their friends. And she writes, Sarah Wise, imagine a student being unhappy at school and having no other community to turn to. For many, that is the reality. They go home, nothing. Generation Z, they're coming in nanoseconds to us and Andrews University. Our president, Andrea Luxton, in her annual State of the University address this last week, reminded us that when we're clear on the why 
for our existence, then we better understand the who we need to become to deliver the why. And the why for Andrews University's existence is absolutely clear. It's all, it's pasted everywhere on this campus. Put it on the screen, please. World changers made here. We believe that world changes are made. In other words, we connect this generation to Christ, and then we send this generation out into the world for Christ. World changers made here. But do you know who we're supposed to be turning into world changers? The people we just described. These Gen Zers. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. Wow. Let me, t- let, me, let, me, let me take the same factoids now and watch another writer, a Christian, slant the statistics. Watch what he does with it. James Emery White. Radically different slant. Put it on the screen, please. His words, as the first truly post-Christian generation and numerically the largest, Generation Z will be the most influential religious force in the West and the heart of the missional challenge facing the Christian church the most influential generation in the West. They're coming to us. The first generation, by the way, raised in a post-Christian context. Most of them still believe in the existence of God, 78% of them. But listen to this. Less than half of them attend weekly religious services of any kind, and only 8% would cite a religious leader as a role model. George Barna makes his point well. The younger the generation, the more more post-Christian it is. What's the next generation? These little kitties that were up here. If time should last, what are they going to be? Double A? We've run out of letters. The younger the generation, the more more post-Christian they become. Wow. Oh, boy. Currently, teenagers spend nearly nine hours a day absorbing media in all its forms. Nine hours a day. Leading leading Fred Fedler. Put Put him on the screen, please. The author of the mass media textbook, Standard, Fedler writing, the media may constitute the most powerful education system ever known to man. And you thought it was you and me. Nope. There is a technology out there now that is taking over the education of an entire generation. Oh, boy. Keep reading on the screen. The question of same-sex marriage is decisively settled for Gen X, Gen Zers, with 73% in favor. Notably, they also support equal rights for transgender people in high numbers, 74%. For Generation Z, now here's here's a key point. For Generation Z, the idea of acceptance is often interchangeable with the idea of affirmation. If I accept it, then I affirm it. If I accept it, then I affirm it. Hmm. The media. On the screen, Eric Schmidt, Jared Cohen, in their book, The New Digital Age, the Internet... Oh, this is unbelievable. The Internet is among the few things humans have built that they don't truly understand. It is the largest experiment involving anarchy in history. Just leave that on the screen for a moment. Anarchy. There are no rules out there. There's nobody controlling that space. It's just there. The largest experiment in anarchy in the history of the human race. He's got to be right. No other generation has had pornography so available in such extremes at such a young age. Think about that now. 70% of all 18 to 34-year-olds are regular viewers of pornography. White calls it the wallpaper of our lives. 
There is a porn site that has over 15.35 billion visits, twice the population of Earth. Generation Z, as he puts it, lives in a pornified world. Yeah, we're in a war, and the battle is intensifying. More, the more teens were exposed to sexual content in movies, the earlier they started having sex, and the likelier they were to have casual, unprotected sex. One last quotation. Denny Burke on the screen. A growing number of young men are convinced that their sexual responses have been sabotaged because their brains were virtually marinated in porn when they were adolescents. I had a little girl, a co-ed, see me on the last Sabbath of the school year just a few weeks ago, and she said to me, Pastor, you, you have to this new year. You have to deal with pornography. It is pervasive, boys and girls. You cannot leave that out. So we're going to have a little DIY, do-it-yourself on pornography this fall. Have a few of those little DIYs wrapped in. Their generation, keep reading, their generation has consumed explicit content in quantities and varieties never before possible on devices designed to deliver content swiftly and privately, all at an age when their brains were more plastic, more prone to permanent change than in later life, end quote. When I put those two books down at the, at the end of the summer, I said to myself, my Lord, my Lord, we are in a war. And by the nanosecond, this battle is intensifying. We can't just sit here and say, well, this is a little rural campus and we have no problem. We have filters on our internet anyway. <laughs> you got to listen to the kids laugh about those filters. Yeah. We're in a war. It's not just about pornography. It's about the entire culture of life. Gen Z, God bless them. We desperately need, ladies and gentlemen, we desperately need a generational breakthrough. I want you to go to one of the, the shortest war recorded in Scripture. It's the shortest battle, I should say. Open your Bible, please, to 1 Chronicles chapter 14, the shortest ba- battle in the Bible. Look at this description. See if, we, see if there's anything for us on this day of new beginnings, on the eve. 1 Chronicles chapter 14. 1 Chronicles, I'll be in the NIV. You follow along, whatever you have. 1 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 8, and when the Philistines heard that David had been appointed king over all Israel, they went up in full force to search for him, but David heard about it and went out to meet them. Two leadership lessons tucked away in the opening storyline of this very short battle. Leadership lesson number one, if you're the leader, the enemy is gunning for you. Yep. Yep. The Philistines here, he's the new king. He's the new king of Israel. We're going, we're gunning. We're going for him. Because every enemy knows that if you can take the leader down, you have the whole army. Just take the leader down. You say, oh, Dwight, whew, I'm very glad because I am not a leader. I beg to differ with you, sir. I happen to subscribe to John Maxwell's definition of leadership. Put it on the screen, please. Leadership is influence. Nothing more nothing less. If you have influence on this planet, you are a leader. If you have influence on this campus, you are a leader. I don't care where you work. I don't care what you do. If you touch a human life in your play circle, in your work circle, in your classroom circle, in your dormitory circle, in your family circle, in your neighborhood circle, if you have only you and you have influence on you, you are a leader. There's no ducking out. We're all in this together. 
And the enemy strategy is gun for the leader first. Leadership lesson number one, if you're the leader, the enemy is going for you. Leadership lesson number two, if you're the leader, you must go for the enemy. Because that's what leaders do. They don't run. They don't wimp out. They're not going to quit. No, you go for the enemy. Isn't that what David did? Hey, they're coming for me. I'm going for them. We have to. We can't sit here and wring our hands over these statistics and say, oh, my Lord, isn't this awful? Jared Thurman in an astounding piece. I'm a little surprised that they published it. I'm very grateful that they did. My friends at the Adventist Review, Jared Thurman this month, just a few days ago, wrote a piece entitled The Church titled The Church I Want to Belong to is Terrible. Here Here are a snatch of words from that on the screen. We have a crisis of leadership. The crisis is not who is in leadership. It's a lack of courage in leadership. We have a crisis of courage. Where are the men and women willing to stand for the truth of the heaven's fall? Where are those who are as true to duty as the needle is to the pole? Where are those unafraid to call sin by its right name, unafraid to lay their careers on the line to do what is right? David could have run from the enemy, but he ran to the enemy because that's what leaders do. We have to take it on together. Which means whatever happens this new year, we're going to have to take, we, we will take the, the initiative. We'll take the offensive. We'll do it together. We need a generational breakthrough. That's the truth. How are we going to get it, Dwight? We'll just keep reading. It's right here. Pick it up in verse 9. Now, the Philistines had come and raided the valley of Rephaim. That's the valley of giants. So David inquired of God, whoa, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Or will you, deliver them in, will you deliver them into my hands? And the Lord answered him, go. One of God's favorite words, go. I will deliver them into your hands. So David and his men went up to Baal Perazim, and there he defeated the enemy. He said, as waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hands. So the place was called Baal Perazim. Now, what's that mean? Baal. We say Baal, but it's Baal. It's a Canaanite phrase for, a Canaanite word, rather, for Lord or Master. Perazim is in the plural. The I am is always plural in the Hebrew. And so that means breakthroughs. He's the master of breakthroughs. He's the Lord of breakthroughs. He's the God of breakthroughs. In fact, let's drop the Baal out because we don't like that word anyway. Let's call him Elohim Perazim. Elohim Perazim. He is the God of generational breakthroughs. Let me hear you say Elohim Perazim. Elohim Perazim. It just fits. Let's do it again. Elohim Perazim. He's the God of generational breakthroughs. James Emery White writes, if you're going to reach out to Gen Zers, which we're going to do together, then there are two realities you must immediately understand. And here they are. Look, he's talking about a cross-section now. Understand, there are huge exceptions to this, but he says these are two realities you got to lock on to. Reality number one, Gen Zers are lost. Put his words on the screen, please. They are not simply living and being shaped by a post-Christian cultural context. They do not even have a memory of the gospel. The degree of spiritual illiteracy is simply stunning, end quote. All right? Not your children, you understand, but a cross-section of this generation. Number one, they are lost, and number two, they are leaderless. This about broke my heart when I read this. Watch this. 
James Emery White again, little if any direction is coming from their families and even less from their attempts to access guidance from the internet. Now notice, they have endless amounts of information, but little wisdom and virtually no mentors. That's where my heart broke. I said, I can't believe it. They have no mentors. They have no one who cares. They are so isolated by their technology. They are so isolated by the medium itself. They have nobody to turn to. And they're coming to us in nanoseconds. No mentors. Are you serious? Nobody that you can talk to? Nobody that will pray with you? Nobody that cares? Nobody will, that will ask, hey, how's your mom doing this week? Nobody knows. Oh, they have hundreds, thousands of friends in the electronic world, but not a one of them cares. Uh, God bless them. So what can I do? Do I come on, come on, come on, get, cut to the chase. Is there anything we can do? Let me tell you what I know, okay? I'm going to end with this. Uh, this is personal testimony. This last school year, I met with a group of Gen Zer university students every other week, almost all the way through the school year, almost every other week. And I called them the Collegiate Council. Now, I had to really suck it up to find out if these kids would even sit down with this old dude. And so I, I asked them. I was, I was absolutely amazed, delightfully, that they, they said yes. Now, a bunch of them said no. But that's a risk you got to take. If you want to get a yes, you got to be willing to take a no. <laughs> so I got a bunch of them. Now, multidiscipline, multigendered, multi range of ages, from a freshman to uh, the two seniors. And I sat with them every other week. And I said, what am I going to talk to these kids about? So the first time they came in, we just kind of all introduced each other. So they're all strangers, and I'm a stranger. And we're talking, and the, guess what came up on their own? Mental health. Mental health. They started talking about their own mental health. And I'm thinking, man, I come from a, a generation, you don't bring that stuff up in public at all. Right? They started talking. So we get, we, we go, two weeks later, Claudia brought a little food, and that always helps. So there'd be snacks there. They'd come, five o'clock in the afternoon. We'd sit down together. They'd eat. We'd talk. Eventually, we got around to, hey, how are things going with you and God? How do you connect with God? That was no big rocket science question. They got into it. One of the kids said, you know, tell me a little something on prayer. I gave him a clip to a video. We got it online. It's me talking about my own prayer life, such as it is. But I talk about it. And remember, DIY, YouTube, they like it. So he took it, and he showed it to his girlfriend. She liked it. They got together with a, a, a large circle of friends on a Friday night on this campus, and they played it for the whole circle. He came back the next time to the meeting, brought his girlfriend with him. She joined our group. They're all just kind of like, Wow. It's nothing about me. It's just something simple. DIY. They were responding. Now, look, if you've got a better way to do this, I'm, sh I'm sure you're going to find one. But this little group, this, this uh, collegiate council, they decide they're going to, let's survey the campus. Let's survey all the students. So we got permission from Student Life. God bless you, Student Life. And they said, yeah, you can do a survey. They checked the survey out. They said, we'll send it out. We got 319 responses from that survey. Dwayne McBride said, Dwight, that is, that is a great sample. Do you know what the number one need of Andrews University students, as expressed in this survey, is? The number one need. I want to find a relationship with God. The number one need of the Gen Zers on our campus now. Show me a relationship. 
Help me find a relationship with God. Wow. (laughs) Making world changers. I guess we kind of start with God, don't we? My. By the way, these kids are coming back. I can hardly wait for them to get back because they're helping me present the first three sermons of the new year in our newly renovated church. And the title of the series is Roommates, Bad Dates, and Soulmates. We're going to talk about relationships. The number one need of Gen Z, the number one need of the human race. Listen, we are all isolated by technology today. Let's not just say it's the teens. All of us are isolated. We're all pulling this thing out. We're all compartmentalized and desperate for some human connection. I think, it's going to, I think the Lord's going to bless a very practical how-to DIY series. I hope you'll be a part of it. We're bringing friends to church August 31, so please bring your friends on campus and off campus with you when you come. But here's what I found out. They're excited. They're actually, they're actually eager to meet with you. Do you remember a few years ago we shared, we shared uh, Christian Smith's, he's a sociologist at Notre Dame University, his discovery that the kids this age appreciate what's on the screen right now. Non-parental adult spiritual mentors. In other words, these aren't parents. They don't want you to be their parent. They want you to be an adult. Don't apologize for being an adult. Don't be intimidated by being an adult. They like you being an adult. They want you to do something spiritually for them. Mentor them. Look, you can do the same thing in your workplace where you work. you got a bunch of student employees on plant, in plant services. Get those student employees together. Hey, but, hey, guys, I want to meet with you. Uh, can, can you do it to Wednesday, uh, Wednesday afternoon, Thursday afternoon? When's the best time? Let's just sit down. You meet with kids in your class. Say, I want to meet with a bunch of you. You call them out by name or you get to go to them personally, whatever. Sit down with them. Don't be intimidated by that circle. They are wanting you to begin to care for them. Of course you have to earn it. Of course you have to take time. You're not going to rush into this, but you're going to do fine. You're going to do splendidly. You know what? God has been waiting for this generation all his life. They finally got here. Don't you suppose God has already prepared a winning breakthrough strategy to reach these young? Do you think he got caught by... Oh, good night. Where did this internet thing come from? Gabriel, why didn't you tell me? Of course not. God's been waiting for them all his life, and now they're here. And his strategy, I'll tell you what his strategy is, Y-O-U. Y-O-U and M-E. That's the strategy. Come on. Pull those kids in. Pull them into your house. Pull them into your, pull them into your office. You know what? Here at Pioneer, we need to reactivate. I'm absolutely convinced. We need to reactivate our adopt-a-student ministry. When there was change in campus ministry, it kind of fell by the way. We need to reactivate that. You, 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 community, you community people have an immense gift to offer, non-parental spiritual mentoring. Just get five of them to come over. Let them bring their own friends. They'll be comfortable that way. And you say, come over. Of course, you're going to feel a little stiff at first. Don't worry about it. You'll get over that stiffness just like that. You've got to step out. You got to take a risk. That's what leaders do. And you're a leader. You got to take a risk. And guess what? God wins. And you know what? A friendship with God, that'll be the biggest breakthrough of all. The number one need expressed in this university. Oh, put that graphic one more time, please. Put that graphic. I just love it. Brittany Doyle, our graphics designer specialist, she put this together. Isn't that cool? Look at that. And it's red. You know why it's red? 
Because Calvary is the greatest breakthrough in the history of the universe. That's why it's red. At the cross, Jesus broke through. He broke through the enemy lines. He shattered the hold of the enemy on this generation and on this planet. I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all people to me, including Gen Zers. Just before that line, he says, and now the prince of the world, pow, it's gone. I've denuded him. Breakthrough. We have nothing to, we have nothing to fear this new year, my friends. This is God's year. He set us up for success. He has set us up for this generation. All he needs now is you and me. Calvary. And so today, we do what we just started to do last year. We've been doing this with the new students all the time. Seems like for all the time. But last year, we did it for the first time with the faculty staff that are gathered in this service. And today, I want to humbly invite you, if you're a faculty member or a staff member or an administrative member of Andrews University, Andrews Academy, Ruth Murdoch Elementary School, if you're a teacher in private school, if you're a teacher in public school, if you're a homeschool teacher, I want to invite you today to make the long journey from the end of the balcony because you're going to have an opportunity to put your name on the line. Some of you did it last year, and it's hanging proudly on the wall of our church, and this will soon join it. I'm just asking for a breakthrough. Use me any way you wish. Help me to reach Generation Z. Jesus, please, just help me. Help me to... You, you do the breakthrough. Just help me. All right? Our Lord and our God, we have not signed our names today lightly or easily. And Lord, neither do we stand other than with humility and a recognition that uh, if it were not for your leadership, we would, know, we would not know what to do. Those of us who are here on this platform have chosen to bid this university work in education in schools because we believe in Christian education. We believe that it can change lives. But Lord, we do that in partnership with you because we know that it is only as we keep fixing our eyes on you and listen to your leadership that we will know what to do. We think of the challenges ahead. We are thankful for all the students that are going to be arriving on this campus and some who are already here. And we recognize that uh, we are your agents to represent you to them. Help us, Lord, to listen well, to pray well, to act in a way that represents your character, your love, your goodness. May our commitment and relationship to you be an example which will lead them to commitment and relationship with you also. Bless us now, we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.